Welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show is uh, our 2022 year in review, where I have brought on my co-conspirator, Guy Anderson, yet again, to uh, have a conversation about what happened in this past year's of 51 episodes, uh, other than this one. So uh, with that, here's my uh, conversation with Guy. Guy, thanks for doing this again. Happy to be here, Jason. So uh, so yeah, now that you're in the can, unbelievably. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> this is uh, How many years is this? Four? I lost track, honestly. Uh, I'm going to guess about four, but I mean, at this yeah. point, it's semi runs itself. I get more in- inbound inquiries than I do have to go looking for anything. So it's uh, it's kind of nice. <laughs> That's impressive. It doesn't seem to be any lack of uh, content out there. You keep you keep seem, seeming to bring in, you know, new providers and new technologies. It never seems to be an end of of ideas and, and solutions out there. So that's a that's a good problem to have, I think. Well, I mean, it's never ending. I, I will say that I've noticed some, you know, things are. I'd say in the last year, things are a little bit different compared to the pace or what things are people are working on than I've seen in previous years. But I can, we can jump into that as we start with the questions. Very good. Okay, let's get, let's get into it then. So let's uh, let's start right off the top. What was your top pick for the most interesting fintech solution for twenty twenty two? So, you know, when the year was coming up, year was coming up. I got to say that there was nothing that truly, really just broke my, I've had a couple of years where like the new thing broke my brain. Like it was just like, this is so different, or this is so revolutionary that I am like, you know, this is changing how you would do something. And I will say that this year I didn't really experience that like, oh my God moment. Uh, I think that the closest thing to the most revolutionary, coolest thing I've seen is, was it in FinTech? And that is uh, GPT chat, which I'm sure everybody, a lot of people are played with now. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And what that means, but in terms of the context of the podcast, I don't think that I saw anything that was truly like earth shattering. But what I will say that I thought was really, really impressive is I saw a lot of really good execution on really fundamental issues that advisors faced, and I saw some really, you know, I think some some products out there that are straightforward, but at the same time are going to basically solve some really good problems for us. So just to give you some ideas of some of my kind of favorite ones to pick out of that, uh, Nudge was the first one in January. And this is a tool for automating client communication and collaboration and basically just kind of poking your client and reminding them to do things or or basically setting up those reminders so that they're automatic. They don't have to do it. Oh, you need to fund your account by this amount. You know, here's a reminder. This, this oh, by the way, you're, you're, this is expiring in six months. Here you go. Like, we should start this. So just the entire, like, taking the, the small pedantic nagging that we have to do on some occasions out of the equation. And I think that was, that was truly you know, a fundamental need of, of the workload that basically they're improving it. And that that also kind of spins off to the one I think is also, um, I think also was was a really good execution of a fundamental issue. 
uh, and it was Hubley. Hubley, I spoke to back in March. And since then, I think there's been a lot of buzz in the USRA market about them. And what they are is they're, you know, picture a Trello or any other kind of like checklist or process mapping system, but one that's designed specifically for financial advisors. And the benefit of that is that when you're, when you're that narrow a vertical, you can build tools or build integrations or build, you know, build, solve problems specifically for that segment of the market. And you know, that's what I think they've done incredibly well. And they, you know, even, even now to having template libraries on this, so you can, you know, you can absolutely build a truly repeatable, scalable process with checklists that, that basically are going to enable your workflows like number before, like in a very easy way to build. Uh, and I will say that, you know, when they first came in with the idea a couple of years ago, I was like, well, there's other systems for doing this, you know, let's see what you come up with. And they showed me, I'm like, damn, you nailed it. And, you know, I was just, I was just speaking at the Kitsis Summit um, like a week ago, and someone mentioned Hubley in the chat. And then from that point on, it was like three quarters of the conversation was about Hubley. Uh, didn't matter what was being presented. <laughs> it was quite amusing. So I saw that one. Um, and I think those were kind of like the, the two that stood out as like, okay, these are fundamental issues that are being really well solved. You know, there's there's a couple of other ones I will say that, you know, uh, document storage and sharing. So one of the ones that came up uh, was on was um, was ready when. Now, full disclosure, I am a I am a advisor and share owner of a competitor called um, called Sidewars been been on this show also. And frankly, they're both solve, you know, working to solve issues surrounding document collaboration and, and whatnot. Ready when more focused on estates, but Sidewar really being the kind of really awesome execution on how you have a shared document uh, folder, as well as the ability to request information and manage data clients. And then, you know, one last one, and this is, you know, basically a, a painful thing that we're all going to go through at some point is Estatably. And that was a software for basically ensuring that everything involved with settling an estate is done in a, in exact well, it's done first and foremost, but also as fast and as painlessly as possible. So again, fundamental problems, nothing revolutionary, but you know, there's still, it just reminded me, there's still a lot of low hanging fruit in the FinTech space. So it's interesting to bring that up. Cause like, cause that's one of the things that we've talked about before is, is about how narrow um, these products can be. But how broad can fintech be too? Because like fintech, I mean, the definition is broadly speaking, it's financial technology. And you know, I've heard in a couple of your podcasts where you've interviewed people that technically wasn't fintech, but it was you know technology applied, yeah. right? So, so how how would you describe that in terms of you know what you've seen this year? You know, the the, the narrow focus stuff. Then, how broadly speaking can you can uh, fintech really be? Yeah, so I think it's in keeping with the trend that is the reason fintech exists, right? So we've had these different like kind of regime changes or or, or eras of technology. Uh, we have the one where we had the one, you know, first and foremost, it was just the invention of computers in general, right? So you had these giant like computers that filled rooms and needed punch cards and did rudimentary calculations, but did them better than humans, right? So you had the kind of the hardware era that started off. And then that, you know, eventually has gotten to where it is today. Then you had the kind of real explosion in the software era in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s. And there was the internet era. And all of these things led to the creation of very broad, very kind of multi-purpose solutions, you know, Microsoft Office, uh, Salesforce, and other CRMs, things that were designed to service general business problems, right? Then you had, you know, the general world was done. Like the general play, that land grab was over more or less. And still to this day, more or less is, unless there's a new infrastructure that comes along. 
And then it became, okay, segmentation around specific, how do we solve specific verticals? So that was fintech, that's med tech, that's reg tech, you know, you name anything, like any, any sector now, you know, there's, you know, <laughs> so the sector of, of, of software for running, uh, you know, marijuana grow ops legally, it, you know, that's the green, <laughs> you know, grow tech or bud tech, whatever it is. So there's different, like, you know, basically acronyms or, or, or prefixes for all for technology across every sector. So you start to see again, this is when my podcast came out was, you know, the earlier to mid end of the, the explosion was all of this technology being, being specifically said, no, no, we're building specifically for this sector of the economy. And now well, we've had some, but I think what happened there was it was the bigger issues that were looked at first. Now we're looking at the smaller pain in the butt nuances of this, right? Where, you know, we've saw, okay, congratulations. You solved, you know, I've got better reporting systems. I've got better rebalancing systems. I've got, you know, better, uh, better illustration systems for insurance, whatever it might be. But now we're getting down to the, okay, but like the administrative side of my life still kind of sucks. How do I, how do I make that work? How do I get down to the fundamental day-to-day problems and, and make that workload just shrink even further and i think that's where we are we're at the we're at the minutia uh, stage now right so so what are you seeing on the advisor side because you and i are both advisors and fintech is going to revolutionize and already started and it's already started to revolutionize our business but where do you see uh it impacting advisors versus all the other aspects of you know the fintech space because you know the advisor community is a small component of fintech in general right yeah so i think it so it, it enables the reverse to happen, whereas, you know, historically, the distribution of financial products followed specific channels where one, you, you typically would go to one person for one thing, right? Uh, your investment guy, your insurance guy, all that. And we've seen that slowly expand out with multi-licensing. But I think what it does is that it, it continues to broaden the, the understanding for what financial services can actually do right, can actually all encompass. And what I mean by that is, first and foremost, the number of financial decisions that people face on a day-to-day basis is increasing like almost exponentially, right? You go and shop for Christmas gifts right now online, and there's a very good chance that you will be offered an installment plan through something like Afterpay. You know, that is a financing decision. The And if you don't do that, I mean, if you're in the US, Apple will slap that over any purchase you do on their on their platform. Right, like, oh, you want to pay for that? Yeah, so great. Here's one as well. So, you know, the buy now, pay later is is, is probably you know it's the, it's my most hated but best example of embedded finance, right? And the number of decisions that are slowly that are that that number is just going to continue to increase. Where what used to be a simple transaction is now a financing decision, right? And that challenge to consumers is just going to continue to increase. And what's going to happen at some point, and, and this is where. The, the technology and digitization and making our current, you know, the current stuff we used to do 10 years ago, super easy, slick, fast, a lot easier to handle. You know, people have said, a lot of technologists and engineers are like, oh, that means advisors are going to handle more clients. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because at the end of the day, our brains aren't upgraded. We can only handle so many relationships and no one wants a relationship where they're paying someone good money for them to basically say, oh, hold on a sec. Let me look at my CRM to remember who you are. Right, no one wants that. They want client. They want intimacy. So, what's going to happen is, is it allows us to service on a much broader basis. I mean, the what we're missing is a future where, as uh, a as a paradigm right now, where I have as a client an investment decision to make or a financing decision or whatever decision it is, and I've been coached to know that oh, I'm you know I'm being asked, do I want to finance this over twelve months? You know, I've been coached to ask my advisor, and you know I 
on that same phone that I'm doing that purchase now, I flip over and I basically go to my dedicated chat and I be, and I talk to my advisor. I'm like, hey, I'm you know I decided to buy this earlier than we planned. It's being offered as a financing option. Should I be doing it? Yes, no. And within a couple minutes, you know the you know it, you know maybe I'm sitting on my computer and I get pinged right away. And that person's information contextually comes up, showing me their last financial plan, showing me their their up to date banking information, all that sort of stuff. And I can make a informed recommendation around that. Now that's a very simplified example around buying something online. But again, like imagine just in time, in place when you need it, financial advice. And I think that is the world that we are slowly moving towards. Someone who understands you deeply on a lot of levels, but someone who's also now there for who's moving up, who's moving down the food chain of food decisions. It's no longer just about the big things like retirement and housing and kids' education. It starts to move into like, and I've done this, I've done this for my clients, negotiating car leases and then even down further and further, smaller, smaller and smaller transactional based stuff. Now, again, there's a point at which diminishing marginal returns kicks in. And you know, do they have to, you know, should I reload my 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 Starbucks card is not a question I should be dealing with, right? But at the end of the day, there are other ways and little pieces of knowledge that we have that we can we can definitely help you. So that raises an interesting question because like how much of this fintech actually filters down into the hands of of individuals and what impact does that have on the advisory business that so like how much work does that take away you know i mean it's uh how much can the client do because nudge is now taking over part of our role type thing yeah but here's the thing it's like you're never look Maybe maybe I'm wrong about the following statement, but I I don't think I am. There is a certain there's only a certain type of person who's going to listen to a robot running their financial life start to finish. That's the reality of it, right? At the end of the day, computer the the level of of human of customization around human gray matter that needs to exist that takes into consideration your family dynamics, your stage and career, your anxieties, your hopes, your dreams, your your personal preferences, all that that is very difficult for a computer to jive with everything else. If anything, I think that there's going to be all the heavy lifting, right? I, I still remember a lot of times, client, you know, back in the day, advisors, I don't hear this any much, much anymore. Uh, you know, it's like, well, look at all this work associated with opening accounts and investing your money. I mean, that's why you're paying me. I'm like, well, what? that is the worst value proposition I've ever seen is filling out paperwork. But some people literally used to argue that. Um, the reality is, is that I think Everything I, I that you can associate with the quote unquote heavy lifting, anything that's repetitive, anything that is basically um, that is just information data transfers, that sort of stuff all becomes automated slowly over time. Now it's it's one of these things where it's it is a slow process, right? And I'll, I'll use the but but sooner or later you get there, and you're like wow, we're here. You know, I'll use the example of of raising my kid. My kid's gonna be in a couple of weeks. He's gonna he's gonna be eight. And I'm sitting here going, and you know, like every parent, I'm sitting here going, like, how? How did this happen so quickly? Right. But really, it's been eight years. And in context, eight years is a long period of time when you think about it. So just so we we don't see the changes happen day to day, but sooner or later you look back and realize how far you've come. And that's the world we're heading to is that, hey, you know, all of these integrations, all of this stuff that will eventually come together. And it's still, don't get me wrong, it's not going to be easy. Data passing between two places is still a difficulty. Canada is still way behind on this stuff, but there is incremental gain happening every year. And we'll get to get to a point where, you know, I literally, you know, client calls me, boom, it pop, their situation pops up. I have a dashboard of their life right in front of me, right? And in which case, 
now the conversation, when you, you think about the stuff that we used to, you know, the advisor value was, it was like, you know, I'm going to sell you something. I'm going to now advise you on what you should have as opposed to just selling you something. I'm going to, I'm going to integrate all this into a plan. All of that work becomes, goes from being a full day project to a automated project with the last, the last mile that takes less than an hour being handled by the advisor. That's where it goes. And then what do we do with that consumption, with that expansion of time? Well, the reality is, is that the differentiation will for, will then, you know, the entire service and value-added proposition and coaching and behavioral coaching and all that stuff that we keep on talking about being the future of this business, that's going to be the differentiation point because that is not going to be what the what, what, uh, what is basically done. And anyone who still has a transactional mindset and is basically in this business, is let's call them in their 40s and thinks that they're going to be in their 60s and still it's going to be the same business. I think you're going to lose that bet. So start thinking about getting out of that transactional mindset. So I'm glad to glad you mentioned that because I see a lot of efficiencies coming to the business and building up deeper relationships with your clients and and just being able to uh, be better and just be being better advisors long term. So so you brought this you brought this up earlier, um, and it's probably not fintech per se. But what are your thoughts on this GBT chat? Like, where where do you think this? Uh, is there an overlap with fintech in, in our industry? So, uh, for those of you who don't put, um, weren't aware of this, GPT chat, I haven't seen it. You know, we're talking in December now. It's been a couple of weeks since this, since this kind of hit, and it got pretty popular for a while, but not everybody's still seen it. GPT chat is the uh, is a, a function of GPT GPT three, which is a general purpose tech, um, artificial intelligence that has been being experimented with, and now they've kind of opened it up. And allow people to ask whatever question they want of it, or to ask it to compose whatever text it wants. So, the reality is, is that I, I experimented with this the other day, and I basically said, you know, I, I, I joked around with a couple of funny things, like um, you know, sarcastically, like write a tweet about why the four percent rule is awesome, and I was just like, yeah, it was it was a joke, or, or write write a write a rule on uh, write a write a tweet on how awesome it is to use whole life insurance as a retirement product. So it was it was scary how accurate the sales pitches were. I mean, it's not scary because it's copying what it sees in the world, but it's unfortunate that that's what it was doing. But then I ran a test because uh, you know I do a lot of content, and I said, okay, you know, write a blog post on the different ways to register a business in Canada, the pros, cons, and costs associated with it. And it came back with a thousand-word article that, man, did it pretty much nail it. Like, it, the broad strokes were all there. The price ranges were there. It kind of summarized it all pretty well. There was very little nuance. It didn't get into, like, you know, consuming considerations for, like, other things you would want to consider when, when you're picking one of these things, or store investment strategies, of course, but I didn't ask to do that. and. I thought to myself, wow, that took 10 seconds. So now let's now that is incredible. And that is something that is, you know, disruptive potentially to anyone in content generation. And I would say, unfortunately, going to result in a lot more computer generated content is probably fluff out there that is not of actual meaning, but it's just, you know, most of I say most of the stuff that's out there is that's written is largely fluff. So how does it impact us? Well, yet another function that advisors kind of have said, you know, you can always come to me with questions, general questions about something, right? Like I've always said that like just simply being able to tell someone how an RSP works is a very low value, right? Uh, how a TFSA works is a very low value, a 401k rollover, all of that same stuff. You know, being able, this is, think of this as a better version than Google, right? Instead of like 
you know, Google gives you a list of here's possible answers. This one gives you one answer. Now, that one answer, unfortunately, may not be 100% correct, but it sure as hell sounds like. So, uh, in fact, it, I listened to a commentator refer to it as the most confident algorithm he's ever seen. But the reality is, so start thinking about that. How does that, how does that impact us? The creation of content for marketing, for client communication, for answering your questions, for now, now that's just the beginning. Think about that as a tool of application that when it's pointed towards large companies that have databases of protocols and procedures and how things get done and, and libraries on how things work, being able to scan all that and actually be the service agent. So this is another potential for heavy lifting that gets removed from the advisor world, right? It is, you know, I'll give you an example, investment policy statements. In theory, everybody should have one, right? Very few advisors have ever composed one as far as I can see. I, you know, I have a company template that I use, but, you know, a lot of times people just like the most common answer I hear to things is, well, I don't know how to start or, you know, people don't want to spend the cognitive burden in designing one of these things. Now, imagine if I said like, you know, I looked up a list of things that had to be in a, in a investment policy statement uh, in terms of like the general templating stuff and just typed in, okay, uh, write a post, write a, you know, this many words on how, you know, this works. Boom, copy, paste. You know, you're not 100% of the way there, but it is a good first draft potentially, right? So you think about all the text-based communications we do and education we do and think about how that can take away some of that burden. Again, now your choice is marginal cons- when you consume that benefit. Do you invest that in expanding your, your client base or do you expect that expand that in servicing and providing deeper value further up the food chain that's necessary? So again, all the stuff that's more generic is the first thing to get disrupted. Yeah, it's a low-hanging fruit, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So again, a little bit of a tangent here. I don't think we can talk about the year in review without talking about the recent blow-up of FTX and <laughs> Bank and Freed. So indulge yes. me, indulge me here and what are your takes on on that in the whole crypto world? Because arguably crypto is fintech in some regards, right? Crypto is a technology that is unfortunately uh, that is that's that is useful. And unfortunately, that use is lost in rampant speculation in most cases. So yes, FTX. Um, you know, who would have thought people like us in traditional markets saying, hey, be careful with this stuff. This is highly speculative, unregulated, all this other stuff. And everybody throws it back at you saying, well, it should be unregulated because, you know, lack of central authority, all this other stuff. Well, now you're seeing the other side of it. The other side of it is that, you know, when everybody thinks that this is, you know, it's all fun and games when everybody's making money. When, when the frauds actually get exposed, the pitchforks come out. And, you know, we're having this conversation a couple of days after SBF got arrested. Rightly so. Uh, they got them dead to rights on a couple of things. But nevertheless, you know, I posted the, I remember I posted like how many, what the, what the asset base in comparison to the loans that they had issued were on Twitter. And someone said, well, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this how banks operate? And my response was FTX wasn't a bank. It was a, it's an exchange. Fractional reserve banking is not something you should be doing. There's no central bank backing it up. But these are nuances lost upon people, so unfortunately. So unfortunately, a lot of people lost money. And I I, I feel sorry for all of them except for Kevin O'Leary um, <laughs> for various reasons, who's now crying. Um it was 15 million bucks, didn't he? No, no, no. He he got paid 15 million bucks, but I we don't he hasn't disclosed what he invested in them. And given how broken up he looks about this, I'm guessing it's more than 15 million. Anyway, so so that said, um, a lot of people lost a lot of money. Uh, I feel bad for the people who did, but this was always caveat emptor. All right. 
you know, this was, uh, you know, and, and frankly, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the crypto purists will tell you your mistake was leaving, was leaving it on someone else's wallet. And, and there's some, there's some truth to that. You know, if you had that in your own wallet, you would have been more secure. Uh, but I think that this is, look, any technology, any new technology is always, always met by a bunch of scam artists, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of scam artists try to take advantage of it off the bat because it's new and and novel and a quick way to make a buck every, um, you know, and of course there are larger scale frauds that happen. I mean, let's, you know, look at what happened during the great, during the, the, the great train explosion or the train expansions in, uh, in the early 1900s and late 1800s. I mean, you know, Canada's famous for the, for the, was it the grand trunk railway scam that happened, right? Like there's, there's large scale frauds that get away from thing. And it's in large part because there are no rules in these places. Right. And, you know, People will argue again, crypto, you are having no rules was part of the entire design of it. But now you've seen the dark side of that. And, you know, I, my concern is always, as I said, for, you know, I've made statements like I, I love, you know, part of me loves blockchain and hates, hates Bitcoin. And it's because all this rampant speculation and fraud and all this stuff gets away from the pure fundamental technology that is there that is of use and, uh, you know, it is absolutely of value. So, you know, I think we're just we're we're through this part of a natural hype cycle where these sorts of things happen, and out of this, there will be some forms of regulation that happen on a jurisdictional basis, um, and that's good. That's good because uh, you know, frankly, I I am not one who believes in giving people the freedom to blow themselves up. You want to blow? You should, but those who are not intending to blow themselves up or too naive to understand that it is uh, potentially going to blow them up need some base level protection because as a society, we, we all pay for their losses in the end. All right, so here we are, you know, two weeks away from the end of the the end of the year. You know, twenty twenty three is is upon us. Hopefully, all this uh, the the worst of the markets, you know, are we will leave we will leave behind, etc. But in terms of what you're seeing for twenty twenty three, you've already identified uh, the fact that people are reaching out to you. There's this doesn't seem to be any lack of content. But what excites you? in terms of what you've got lined up for 2023 uh, for the FinTech podcast? Yeah, so a lot of interesting stuff coming up. I mean, I, uh, I'm i literally booked um, for several weeks out. You know, I've got a, a couple of interesting use cases around, around artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, I have a, uh, a, a very, again, fundamental problem when it comes to insurance underwriting uh, that this company has been so wildly successful in the UK. Like, more than 20% of policies are underwritten through them. It's just, I almost fell off my chair when I heard it. Um, I have, uh, you know, other ones that are coming up, some interesting research uh, from academics. I'm going to have a couple of previous uh, guests on the show come back uh, and talk about some of the really explosive growth they've had and the challenges that that that's made and, you know, things that they've learned. Um, And then in addition to that, um, the, I got to tell you, one of the ones that excites me, this is one of the ones that I won't say it didn't break. There's a couple of interesting ones coming up. So I've got tentative bookings right now. I've got one recorded that'll be coming out, let's see, early January, which is Lumiant, uh, which uh, got along with the CEO like a house on fire. And this one, uh, and rightly so, because quite honestly, they are all about kind of value discovery of what really matters to clients in a financial planning process and engagement and about their lives. And, you know, I completely believe in that stuff. We, we kind of like our kindred spirits and while we believe that the industry needs to change, but just the way he delivered it kind of, you know, broke my brain a little bit and I need to spend time thinking about how I'm going to reinvent my process around some of the stuff that he's done. Um, and then, you know, other stuff, like I've got some, uh, some other people like, 
you know, in particular, uh, you know, connected with elements uh, in the U.S., which I think is uh, a very interesting little financial planning software tool that's out there. So I look forward to those conversations and the ones that I've had so far that are coming up. There's some pretty exciting ones. And that's only looking at, you know, only booked the first three months so far. So we'll see what comes out of the rest of it. Fantastic. So do you have any uh, last comments you want to leave to your listeners before we uh, before we sign off for 2022? No, I think anyone who's uh, who's stuck around this long, I, I'd like to thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I sincerely appreciate the, the, the listenership. Um, always feel free to reach out with suggestions, questions, whatever. I'm always happy to hear from people. And um, other than that, yeah, um, I will keep doing this as long as um, as long as people are interested. So, fantastic. Well, we thank you for your efforts. Uh, I've learned a lot, and I'm sure all your listeners have as well. So, good luck and. Uh, yeah. Uh, good luck for 2023 and on. Yeah, excellent. Thanks. So that was this episode of FinTech Impact. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. hope you enjoyed the year and hope you continue to listen. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever is your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.